Feeling imperfect, insecure, or inadequate? How do you show kindness, self-acceptance, gratitude, and compassion towards yourself every day? Mental health is a journey, and Switch Research delivers expert guidance along the way. Their mission is to provide you with effective, easily accessible mental health resources to help you become a happier and more resilient you. Switch Research partners with psychologists, clinical therapists, researchers, psychiatrists, and more who have years of academic or clinical experience under their belt to provide evidence-based journals and digital work courses. I have been using the Self-Love Journal for the past few weeks and love how pointed it is, how affordable it is, and that it takes no more than 5-10 minutes out of my day to really get to the core of things. Transform negative thoughts into self-love. Use our code BEWELLSYS20 today at switchresearch.org to get 20% off of your purchase. Again, transform negative thoughts into self-love by using our code BEWELLSYS20 at switchresearch.org to get 20% off of your purchase. Too often, Black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness, but not in this space. On this podcast, the dialogue is always centered around women like you. Welcome to the podcast, but more importantly, Welcome to the tribe. Be well, sis. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Be Well, Sis podcast. If you're new here, I am your host, Cassandra Dunbar. Hey, sis, how are you doing? How's life been treating you? And more importantly, how have you been treating yourself? Me, I'm well. (laughs) Honestly, I have been slightly overwhelmed. My husband and I made the decision to homeschool our six-year-old for the coming school year, and baby, this is a whole new world. The main reason we decided to go this route is because he is very asthmatic. I mean, my little man has been hospitalized twice for asthma pre-pandemic. And his school, like most of the others in the U.S., have decided to go back to their overcrowded classrooms 100% with no social distancing and no real insight as to how they'll help minimize the spread of the virus. So... At home, he will stay. And part of me feels sad for him because he's super social, very outgoing, and kids need kids, right? And he was actually looking forward to being live and in person because last year he did remote schooling. So he was looking forward to making new friends. This will be second grade for him. So he's a little disappointed, but we tried to explain our decision as best as we could for him to understand at his level while we're taking this route. And we told him that this isn't forever, God willing, and that he'll be able to have third grade in person. But yeah, it's been a lot of planning, a lot of just trying to make sense of this world that we're living in. Mamas and papas who are sending their kids back to school, sending you much love. And I am praying that your babies are safe, that you remain safe and all of those good things. It's um, a lot of hard decisions being made right now. And I feel that none of us deserve to be in this position. Alas, here we are, (laughs) unfortunately. And I giggle not because it's even funny, but I've been doing a whole lot of laughing as a way to cope. I'm really grateful to be in this position where I can work remotely and can really craft my schedule in a way that allows me to educate him. But I am shook, you know, never in a million years would I think that I'd be homeschooling my child. Never. Yet here we are. So wish me luck. If you are a parent that homeschools your child, please slide in my DMs over at on Instagram at bewellsis underscore podcast with your tips, your resources, your words of advice. Listen, I'll be so, so grateful. I've spent many of my days in the past 
few weeks just studying and researching and absorbing all the information that I can to try to make this as smooth as possible for all of us. Yeah, so I'm not sure if I mentioned this last episode. If I didn't, I definitely was meaning to. But as you may know, I am over on Clubhouse every single Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So there I host an interactive conversation that centers wellness. We've talked about so many things. We've talked about gut health with Dr. Asia Mohammed. She's a naturopath, super insightful, evidence-based, just tons of information that really helped us to make sense of gut health. We've been hearing, that's been like the buzzword for the past few weeks and the information can be overwhelming and we had a really great conversation. So I'm hoping to make that into an episode because I did get a chance to record that room. Stay tuned, sit tight. Hopefully um, I don't have any technical issues with that. We've also talked about microaggressions in the workplace and its impact on mental health. We had a whole mental health series over back in July because it was National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. So we talked about the different ways that our mental health is impacted by everyday stressors and how to maneuver around them. We also spoke to an author, Dr. Inger Burnett-Ziegler. She has a book that speaks to wellness and mental health, and particularly among Black women. The book is called Nobody Knows a Trouble I've Seen, The Emotional Lives of Black Women. It's a brand new book. Please get it. I will link it down below. It's a beautifully written book, and I've seen myself and my friends reflected in that book, and it's just so well written. It's like a guide on being better. Back to what I was saying, we've had a ton of conversations over at Clubhouse. Again, it's interactive. So I usually have a lineup of panelists who are experts in their field or people who have lived experience because that lived experiences, because that's also really, really important, right? So we have conversations, it's interactive, the audience gets to ask questions or even share their own insight and their own experience. And I think it's just been a really beautiful room. The feedback that I've gotten has been that it's been really helpful in navigating certain things and getting some clarity on certain things. So I really invite you to join us. Again, we're on Clubhouse. The app is free and available to both iOS and Android operating systems. Join us. We're there every Wednesday at 7 p.m. After you download the app, if you don't already, have the app, search Be Well Sis, the club, and you will be able to see our upcoming shows and what times that we meet. If you hit the notification bell, you'll know when we are meeting. But again, it will be 7 p.m. Wednesdays, Eastern Standard Time. So as you can tell, today's episode will be a solo episode. It's been a, a little while since we've had a conversation. First of all, thank you for joining. I'm so, so happy you're here. But let's talk about self-compassion. I realize that for whatever reason, self-love has become a trigger word. A lot of people really don't enjoy the term, possibly because it's been overused. So let's talk about self-compassion. Forget self-love. Let's talk about self-compassion. So what is self-compassion? Think about what the experience of compassion even feels like. First, to have compassion for others, you have to notice that they are suffering. So if you see somebody who is wounded, somebody who is hurt, somebody who is ill, you can't really feel compassion for how difficult their experience is if you don't consider how difficult their experience is. Compassion involves feeling moved by others' suffering so that your heart responds to their pain. The word compassion itself literally means to suffer with. So when this occurs, you feel warmth, caring, and the desire to help the suffering person in some way. Having compassion 
also means that you offer understanding and kindness to others when they fail or make mistakes rather than judging them harshly. And finally, when you feel compassion for another rather than mere pity, it means that you realize that suffering, failure, and imperfection is part of a shared human experience. And this is something that I read by Dr. Kristen Neff. I will link the article below. So why is it important to have self-compassion? So according to Psychology Today, people who have self-compassion also have greater social connectedness, emotional intelligence, happiness, and overall life satisfaction. Self-compassion has also been shown to correlate with less anxiety, depression, shame, and fear of failure. Uh, Ravi Shah, who is an assistant professor of psychiatry at Columbia University, believes that self-compassion is also critical for healthy self-esteem and resilience. He says there's a lot of discussion today about narcissism and its problems, but we do want people to have some healthy narcissism. This provides for a stable sense of self when things don't go well, whether it's a bad day, a loss in competition, or the loss of a job. If we lose our sense of self-worth through any challenges of life, we will have a hard time recovering. So basically, it's important to have self-compassion for two main things. They are the two R's resilience, and for relationships. And speaking of relationships, they say that people who lack self-compassion exhibit a pattern of unhealthy relationships. How you treat yourself reflects how you let others treat you. If you're unkind to yourself, you create a standard of how much abuse you accept from others and as a result, end up attracting abusive and disrespectful relationships. Also, if we hold ourselves to impossible standards, if we never give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, chances are we'll have trouble doing so for others. And thinking about others' feelings and giving others breaks are key skills for developing solid relationships. There's this old adage that says, if you want to have friends, you must be friendly. And I think that kind of correlates with here. If you want to have solid relationships with others, you have to have a solid relationship with yourself. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't even realize that the relationship with ourselves is not healthy or it's fractured. I've said this before in the podcast and I'll say it again. One of the things that I've learned in therapy was just how negative my self-talk was. Yeah, the way that I spoke to myself was very harsh and critical and I would never speak to anybody that I cared for. Hell, anybody that I hate the way that I I speak to myself sometimes. So in the article that I found written by Dr. Kristen Neff, she mentions that there are three main components of self-compassion. The first one is self-kindness versus self-judgment. So identify self-kindness versus self-judgment. So self-compassion entails being warm and understanding towards ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate, rather than ignoring our pain or beating ourselves with self-criticism. This is something that I have really, really struggled with and that I'm still really working hard at getting better at. When I'm going through something where I feel like I failed at something or I didn't meet my own expectations for something, I either will suppress my feelings until they come bubbling over weeks, months, even sometimes years later, or I will just speak so harshly to myself. I'm like cursing myself out inside my head for something that is so human that sometimes is even out of my own control. I've said this before, one of the things, one of my key learnings in 
therapy has been how I really don't have self-compassion. That's something that I'm really, really working on. And if I'm going to be good, if I'm going to model self-compassion for my children, if I'm going to have a solid relationship with those around me, it's important that I cultivate a strong foundation, a strong relationship with myself, right? So the next thing that Kristen Neff mentions is recognizing common humanity versus isolation. Self-compassion involves recognizing that suffering and personal inadequacy is part of the shared human experience, something that we all go through rather than being something that happens to, quote, me alone. So, so important. How many times do you sit there and feel like you're the only one who has struggled with this particular thing that you're struggling with? Or do you feel that you're the only one who has had this shortcoming or had has this failure? How many times do you feel that you're the only one who can possibly understand what failure looks like, what loss looks like, what grief looks like, what just pain feels like? It's super important to realize that you're not alone. All the feelings that I just discussed are things that we all go through at some point in the other. And when you're feeling down and just really feeling alone, like nobody understands you, remembering that you are not alone, that we all share this, really can help you get out of the depths of your sadness. And taking it a step further, confiding in someone who you trust, who is a safe space for you, can really, really help you to step out of the depths of your sadness and the feeling of isolation. And the third part of cultivating self-compassion is developing a practice of mindfulness versus over-identification. She says that self-compassion also requires taking a balanced approach to our negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. Mindfulness is a non-judgmental, receptive mind state in which one observes thoughts and feelings as they are without trying to suppress or deny them. We cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. At the same time, mindfulness requires that we not be over-identified with thoughts and feelings so that we are caught up and swept away by negative reactivity. This has been such a game changer in the way that I see things. I think a lot of us are taught in many ways that our thoughts are reflective of who we are. They absolutely are not. I'll say it again. Our thoughts are not reflective of who we are. We have thoughts. They are not necessarily us. So sometimes if you have a thought that is negative or that you're like, where did that even come from? And you start to feel guilty about having just a thought and not acting on that thought, just get out of that cycle. What is important is to observe your thoughts and let them pass. When we over-identify with these thoughts, like we observe a negative thought and we hold on to it and we dissect it and we're asking ourselves, what does that mean about me? about who am I as a person, about, about my morality, about my ethics. No, it's a thought. You had a thought. Let it go. You know, as much as I've talked about the benefits of therapy, I completely understand that it, that it isn't widely accessible. Unfortunately, therapy is something that oftentimes is a luxury because it isn't usually covered by insurance. Some of us aren't insured, and it can cost at least $100 per 60-minute session. So I get it. Not everyone can go to therapy. And as much as I appreciate therapy, I know that it isn't the only way to start or sustain your journey back to self. 
So let's talk about journaling. We talked about journaling a tons on this podcast. A lot of the guests really rave about how journaling has been one of their ways that they preserve their mental health. And I like journaling too, but let's be real. For some of us, getting started could be really, really intimidating, especially if that isn't your creative outlet and if you're just out of practice doing it, right? A lot of us spend a lot of time suppressing our emotions and then you're asking us to go ahead, pick up a pen, open up a clean sheet of paper and write down all that you've been feeling. Mm-mm, that is tough. So that's why I like journals, which are more like workbooks. So what they'll do is they'll provide with a framework to delve into the deepest thoughts and emotions, as well as exercises to strengthen and strengthen any areas of weakness. I like workbooks that allow me to work one page at a time, one thought at a time, and it takes away the guesswork of having to figure out what am I actually feeling right now? What do I write about? Do I write about today? Do I write about yesterday, five years ago? Mm -mm. All the guesswork is taken away. So I'm extremely grateful to have the opportunity to partner with Switch Research, which is a organization whose mission is to create effective, easily accessible mental health resources to better the lives of people worldwide. They partner with all types of mental health professionals and clinicians to provide evidence-based resources that can improve lives. So I'm a few weeks into using the Self-Love Journal, which is a 13-week guide to explore the fundamentals of self-compassion, common humanity, and mindfulness. For some reason, self-love has been a really triggering term for folks for this past year, I feel like. I think probably because it's been overused, but self-love is what I realized that it just means acceptance for who you are, for where you are, for what you've been through, and then taking that reflection and then moving forward with it. Nothing more, nothing less. So in using this journal, I love a couple things about it and I want to share that with you. So the first thing is that it doesn't take forever. The prompts are concise. There are only a few lines to write your thoughts on. So I can't use that time as an excuse. I can't say I don't have enough time to fill out a couple lines of how I'm feeling about whatever the prompt was for that day. The other thing is that there is no fluff. It's straight to the point and it's packed with evidence-based information backed by researchers. I also love that this journal is structured. It's a 90-day journal made of three parts to guide you through and help make self-compassion a long-lasting practice. Like I said before, one of the things that I have struggled with has been being more compassionate to myself and having a more positive and more gentle inner voice. And I really appreciate this journal for allowing me to have exercises that help me to make this a practice that I will use beyond the 90 days. And the last thing that I really love about this journal is that it's affordable. Again, mental health resources should not be reserved for a select few. And what I really appreciate about this organization is that they make mental health resources accessible to all because it is affordable. Again, if you use the code BeWellSys20, you will get an additional 20% off of their products, which are already priced at a, a pretty decent price point that most of us can afford. So check them out. They are at switch, S-W-I-T-C-H, research.com. 
www.ebooksforbusiness.org and you'll get a chance to see their product offerings. They have digital courses, they have journals and workbooks and all of those things. So that is all I have for you today. I'm so, so thankful that you joined the episode, that you tuned in. I hope you are well. I hope that the rest of your week or the rest of your day goes beautifully to all the parents again who are sending their babies back to school sending you much, much love as you guide your little ones through the school year. So a million thanks to Switch Research for partnering with me for this episode and for providing my listeners with the opportunity to save 20% off the journal. To redeem this offer, simply visit switchresearch.org and enter code BeWellSys20 at checkout. Again, to get your journal, visit switchresearch.org and enter BeWellSys20 at checkout. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm so, so grateful that you are here. Be well, sis.